You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back for another episode of From the Braves Booth, and it's great to have you with us as we come to you from our booth here at the ballpark for game number 162 of the regular season alongside Joe Simpson and our producer engineer and today play-by-play man Jonathan Chadwick. Ben Ingram here with you. It is episode number 49 and uh, we hope that this is not the last episode of the year. We'd like to do a few more come the postseason. That'll be starting next weekend but here we are Joe game 162 and whether you're making the postseason or whether you're not there's something about this day this finish line this threshold of getting through 162 ball games. It's an accomplishment, you know, and for you two guys, uh, even more admirable because of the 30-some spring training games you do. So it may be 162 on the schedule. It's 192 for you guys. Man, oh, man, that's a that's a long season. It's um, uh, some somewhat, um, not debilitating, but just tiring, wears you down a little bit. But, you know, this is the cherry on top coming up, the mm-hmm. postseason, and I think it makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, it does. I can't wait. You know, anytime I'm around folks who talk about how long they've been in the big leagues and it's my whatever season in the big leagues, that means a lot to hear that. I like hearing those things, and uh, each installment of those seasons is very meaningful. So putting another year on your resume, another year on your career – um, but we're very lucky to have another year. I think we're very blessed to be able to do what we do and to have another uh, edition of, uh, of of a Major League Baseball season on our shelf is certainly a great accomplishment. It's always great to put another one behind us and always looking forward to the next chapter, and that is the postseason, like you mentioned. So we'll wrap up the season today, and the good news is the Braves have clinched home field advantage throughout the postseason. As long as they're in, they'll have home field. And that's a great position to be in. You win today, that's 105 wins. That'd be the second most wins in franchise history, one behind the 1998 Braves. So this has been an amazing summer, an amazing season, and, and hopefully more amazing feats coming our way as we're looking to see what these, this team can accomplish over the next month. The thing that encourages me, Ben, is that this team has – been this way basically since June 1st. The way they uh, go about their business, everybody shows up, uh, everybody, as they say, posts, they they play every day, and they produce. Uh, Will it be a little more difficult? We've been kind of, I think, prepping fans, prepping ourselves maybe, that in the postseason it gets harder and harder to to try and score as many runs as this team does. But I'm not betting against them, and I don't care who's pitching for the other team. While it may be more difficult, uh, they have done it since June 1, and there's no reason to think it's going to stop. Uh, everybody, knock on wood, is healthy. That's a huge thing. Uh, I'm talking about the position players. So they're all raring to go. And um, I, I have a feeling by next Saturday, because of the inter-squad games they're going to play, I think that will keep them sharper as opposed to last year just having some workouts. They learned a lot by doing that last year, yeah, yeah. Um, and and I think everybody did. I don't think anyone really knew what to expect because we had not had this scenario before where teams have five days off. This was a brand-new format last year, so they've experienced that. They've learned from it, and I think they've gotten themselves to a place where they know exactly how to go about this better and, and, and wiser than they went through it last year. So I think that'll benefit a ton. Having these workouts Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday will keep them fresh, in my opinion. It'll keep them in the routine, I should say. Maybe that's yeah. the better way to put it. Yeah. Uh, and that's what you're looking for because you want to go into Saturday – feeling like you're in that routine not like you had a, a massive departure for almost a week yeah they'll be uh they'll be watching the other games uh to see who they might play how that's gonna uh, work itself out uh right now it looks like they may play the winner of two teams within their own division mm-hmm. two teams they're very familiar with the Phillies and Marlins that's subject to change today but a strong chance that that will happen and they certainly know each other really well The Braves won the um, season series between those two teams in convincing fashion. So um, there's not going to be any secrets uh, in the division series, no matter who it is that comes out. Uh, It's just something to look forward to in terms of scouting maybe uh, and preparation maybe it's not going to be as detailed as it would be against somebody you don't know. Yeah and I feel like last year I was watching the Phillies Cardinals series and I think I found myself rooting for St. Louis because I just wanted a different matchup. 
And um, I thought that last year the Phillies could be a difficult matchup for the Braves, and sure enough, they were, because the Braves weren't healthy on the mound, and that showed. This year, I don't find myself doing that. I, I, to me, I think the only request I would have for the wild card round is whomever the Braves get, have those two teams go three games. That's what I'm, I'm rooting for. Yeah, right. And, and run that pitching down a little bit more. But uh, to me, I've, I've, embr- I've thought about all these different matchups and, and thought about the positive of, of all of them, whether it be the Marlins, the Diamondbacks, the Phillies, whomever they get. Uh, if it's the Braves and the Phillies, if you ask me, and this has nothing to, I don't mean to disrespect the Dodgers or the Brewers, I think those are the two best teams in the National League, possibly the two best teams in Major League Baseball. And, and there's an element of that that excites me thinking, okay, round number one, let's roll up our sleeves and let's get dirty. Yeah. I, I want to see this thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be a knockdown, drag out brawl yeah. for, for five games, is, is what I would expect, to be quite honest. Uh, but you get to the postseason, it's like you've said before, everybody's good. Everybody's tough. Uh, there's nothing easy in the postseason. There's nothing easy about advancing. There's nothing easy about winning one game in the postseason. Um, so whomever they get is who they get, and I'm just glad it'll be here for the first two ball games. Uh, it's such an advantage playing here. And uh, we were talking about that last night, about the, the uh, decibel level here in this ballpark. Uh, a young kid came in to pitch for the Nationals last night, and uh, he was tight. I yeah. mean, there, there, there is – these fans are right on top of you here. Uh, it's like being in the, the arena and having everybody rooting against you when you come in to pitch in this ballpark. And uh, the same will be said no matter who comes in to play the Braves in the division series. And those teams have been here. But it ratchets, ratchets up just a little bit in the postseason mm-hmm. when you come to play at Truist Park. And doesn't it? And th- there's just nothing for me – um, that can really replicate the, the adrenaline rush of getting to work postseason games. I don't mean to make too much of it, but my goodness, it, it's so amazing. Uh, it's an intensity level that I, I don't think you really get too many other places. And I remember the first time I experienced it, you go back to 2019, first postseason games I ever called, and I was hooked. I mean, I, I love doing this. I love uh, the entire season. I love going down to Florida for spring training and opening day and the, the regular season and the roller coaster that that is. But there is just nothing in my in my days that has matched the intensity of being in the midst of working a postseason game let's flip the switch here on the other teams whether it is uh arizona miami or philadelphia and their thoughts about man we're gonna have to deal with the braves Mm -hmm. you know we got to get through this wild card and if we do then we got to deal with the braves nobody's looking forward to that yeah nobody None of those teams are looking forward to having to play more games here than anywhere else. So it is a real respect factor, number one, for Atlanta and what they have done this year, what they've accomplished, who can, can threaten them from any, uh, and in any situation, in any inning. The lineup is so deep. Uh, it's it's a tough road, boy. And no matter who comes in here, they got their work cut out for them. So I just want to put that on, mm-hmm. put that out there that nobody wants to play the Braves either. It's got to be exhausting to think about if you're another team. Yeah, especially for those other pitching coaches. Yeah, um, it's great though. I can't wait, can't wait for that. Like I said, we have one more to wrap up today, and hopefully take the series with the Nationals, and then it, it is all eyes on next Saturday. Games one and two will be here Saturday and Monday. And then, of course, uh, the, the series would shift to wherever the Braves are playing for uh, one game if necessary, two games, and then if there's a necessary fifth game, that would be back here and then move on. And uh, for this bunch, and I, I feel like they've been motivated from where, where they fell short last year. And for a lot of those guys who are part of the, the World Series achievement two years ago, they know what it takes. They've been there. Yeah. They want to feel that again. They know they're capable of that again. And I think those two things kind of go together. You've been there. You know what it takes. You've done it. And then also you have the, the bitter defeat of falling short last year. And I think those two things combined uh, go a long way for um, experience, for wisdom in the postseason. I don't think it's easy for a team. We'll see what happens with Baltimore. But those guys haven't been there. Uh, that, that's going to be a brand-new experience for them. Very young team. I, I think it's so valuable to have multiple years of postseason experience as a group, which this team has, and that'll go a long way. Yeah, and um... – the, the teams over there, that first round, that wild card round, when you've got Houston, Tampa Bay, and Toronto, woo, yeah. boy, the, somebody's going home. It's a really good ball club over there, too, mm-hmm. and have good records. Uh, I, I think, uh, without digging it up, somebody's got 98 wins. I think it's Tampa Bay 
as a wild card team. Wow. They're really good, but they may go home. Yeah. They might go home in two days and, and wonder what hit them. Uh, that's how good their opponents are going to be. Let me ask you this. Um, let's say, hypothetically, that um, Max Fried's finger's fine, 100% mm-hmm. ready to go. Who pitches game one? Who's the opponent? Uh, I'm going to go, let's say, Phillies. It's hard for me to ignore what Strider's done versus Philadelphia. And, and and I'm such a traditionalist in a lot of ways. And what I mean by that is so many times I say, your ace goes. doesn't matter who you face. True. And and that's a, a longstanding tradition and mentality in our game that no matter who's done what, your ace is your ace and it goes game one. And I think versus any other team, Diamondbacks, Marlins, whomever, it's max, so long as the, the blister's okay. But we know that Strider's stuff plays well against that lineup. That lineup has had so many struggles with him, and I think and, and let's let's put ourselves in the Philly shoes. Let's imagine that you're facing a pitcher who's eight no against you in his career. That that those high fastballs that he throws, our guys can't get to it. They can't see it. They don't have success. To me, and whether you want to block this out or not, mentally that affects you going into game one. It's like uh-huh. can can we figure this guy out for once? Um, I think there's an advantage to that, and I think having him out there for game one and also knowing that you could get him for two games and Max for two games, that helps make the decision as well. In other words, it's not like whomever you choose can go game one and then game five and the second guy can only pitch in one ball game. With the off days that you have, they can both go in, in, in two games. So the question I ask myself is, who would you rather have in a deciding situation? Um, it's one thing to, to ponder on who wants to go in game one, but who are you going to go in with in game five? And the way I see it is go with Spencer in game one. You'd have him in game four. And if it goes to a fifth game, you got Max Freed here. That was my next question. Who would you rather have pitch game five? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that becomes Max. And the thing is, if you, if you are able to win it in four, let's say Spencer gets two wins and Max gets one, Max goes game one of the NLCS. There you go. And um, I, I know that's kind of a, a departure from the, the traditionalist way of looking at it, but I think that's how I'm viewing it right now. And they may say, look, Max is our guy, and he gets it, and which I would completely understand. Nobody's going to argue yeah. or, so I, I or think debate it. You should get two starts from both of those guys, and if you can get three wins out of those four starts, there's your series win. And you're done. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, um, I think it's uh, a, a question that's going to be bounced around uh, the conference table between the staff and the front office about mm-hmm. which way do we go, who do we use, how is Max's finger? You know, is it um, is it going to be okay to pitch Max in game one, and will his finger survive that enough to count on him for game four? Yeah, yeah. Because if he goes game one and Strider goes game two, which is on Tuesday, Monday, 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 Monday then – if Max can't go on his regular turn, say in Game Four, then you, you're you're pressed. Yeah. If it goes five games and Max's finger didn't respond after Game One, then you're pressed over who you're going to pitch there, if not Strider on short rest. Mm-hmm. You know we we've seen Strider go on extra rest, and I don't think we like that. I, I, I think didn't. so. So getting him out there quicker rather than later, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And then we saw Max go without pitching for three months, come out there and dazzle the Cubs. Yeah, he can handle it. Um, all those starting pitchers are routine-oriented guys, but some more than others. And I think Spencer is is the epitome of routine-oriented and wants it done the way that he's used to. Well, as Brian Snitker uh, said yesterday when I asked him about have they had discussions yet about the roster makeup, uh, he said they're talking about it, but they haven't had any formal meetings about it. Uh, Because of all the days off, uh, you got to – try and figure out how many pitchers do you really need yeah how many guys in the bullpen do you truly need when you have all these days off and with that in mind you carry extra guys on the bench and uh that all plays into it in this division series Mm -hmm. because it's best of five so that'll be interesting to see how they um manufacture that put that together and decide this is the best way to go game three is a big question for me too yeah as oh. to who pitches i mean you know in some order it's tried or freed in one and two but in philly yeah in philly and and the, i think the first question would have to be well, what's in, theoretically in philly correct theoretically in philly could be miami um could be arizona but here's the thing what's the series standing at 
Are you up 2-0? Are you down 0-2? Is it 1-1? Um, I Bryce Elder's had some outings this season where he's looked very sharp, and he had one really good outing versus the Phillies. Also had one that wasn't all that good. His stuff, and, and this sounds kind of crazy for me to throw this name out there, but I think you're going to agree with me because of what we saw his last outing. A.J. Smith-Shawver. I know you might say, okay, are you really going to start a 20-year-old who has half a dozen major league appearances in his life on the road at Citizens Bank Park in Game 3. Well, from that standpoint, it sounds insane. It really does. But his stuff is similar to Spencer Strider's stuff, and we know that that plan of attack, that stuff, plays against that lineup. So it's a tough decision. It really is. There There are so many chips in this pot, you know, and how you rearrange everything to or, or arrange everything to fit your best chance to win giving your giving your best chance to advance um all of that factors in man yeah. these are these are key decisions uh you know when i asked brian yesterday a guy like aj smith shaver uh jackson stevens these guys that have pitched well very late in the season do they still have a chance to be on the roster and he said absolutely they do yeah and he used spencer strider as a reference two years ago and how he made the club in the postseason after just a start or so Mm -hmm. in the big leagues uh they're not shy about running those guys out there when they've got good stuff and smith shaver certainly has great stuff the other night he's hitting 100 and i I don't view the postseason as well here are my guys and that's who i'm going with tell me who the team is that I'm facing and who of my guys gives that team the, the worst matchup. Yeah, That's how I view this. It, it might be if you advance and you're talking about a game three versus the Dodgers or the Brewers, that might be Bryce Elder who matches up better. So it's no disrespect to the guys who are there. It's just who gives me my best opportunity? Whose stuff matches up best for me against that lineup that I'm facing? Because I don't like the idea of just blindly going into it and saying, this is my one, two, three, regardless of the opponent. No, I, I 100%. You got to do some matchup uh, homework on that sort of stuff. And you can look at um, records of each individual hitter against various guys. Yeah. What, is, what is he this year? I don't, I don't care about lifetime stuff. I want to know what what this uh, hitter did against my pitchers this year and what kind of luck they've had. Elder had a win at Dodger Stadium. Yeah. Um, so to me, it's all about matchups and, and who gives you the best opportunity against that lineup that you're facing in that series. So um, there's a reason why at the end of 2021, as happy as we were, you're you're so exhausted because you've you've thought about all that's that's the great thing about winning at all because you've overcome all these uh, mentally exhausting scenarios of the postseason after you had the physically exhausting six month season and you're still the ultimo hombre you know you're the, you're the last man standing. Let's that, make some comparisons uh, between twenty one and now. Um, no Ron Lacuna Jr. in twenty one, he was hurt. Yep. Uh, the additions that Alex was able to provide this team in Soler, Duvall, Rosario, Peterson, uh, Peterson—it it just those guys. I'll say more, more, more or less compensated for the loss of of Ronald. Mm-hmm. They did yeoman work. They were awesome. Go to the bullpen, Matzik, Jackson. Those two guys were huge in in every level of the postseason that year. How does this team stack up against that one when you start looking at those types of variables? Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know? and we had the conversation last night about those guys in the bullpen. Yeah. And, and namely Joe Jimenez, um, Pierce, Pierce Johnson, mm-hmm. A.J. Minter. Yeah, are Pierce and uh, Jimenez, are they Matzik and Jackson this year? Right. That, that's what You re- could make the argument that they, they will have to be. Yeah, that remains to be seen. But that's the kind of uh, contribution you need at every level of the postseason beginning next Saturday. That's what you need from guys like the Braves got in 21. Yeah. Uh, thinking about the postseason, a couple of things that I'm really excited about. Um, it's like after the Braves clinched the division and, and Snit told Ronald on the on-field celebration, like, you're going to get to play in that postseason this year. And obviously he did yeah. last year. But yeah. 2021 he was there but didn't get to play. I think of the season that he has had, and he's been so motivated all year, and the numbers show that, I think he's going to be even further motivated to, to be something special in the postseason. So I can't wait for that. 
I think that that Austin Riley could be poised for a big postseason. Austin has been maybe I shouldn't say hard on himself, but he's made some comments uh, in passing where he's asked where he's talked about the postseason and he's acknowledged that he hasn't had some of his best games in the postseason. Uh, he's now been there a handful of times. He's been there four or five runs and, and knows all about this. I think he could have a big postseason. And then Matt has been tremendous from game one of spring training and put up huge numbers all the way through right and i can see him having a, a huge three-run homer at some point and, and having a big moment and multiple big moments so um while other teams there's always jitters there's always uh butterflies in the postseason but i think those butterflies might be more like moths for these guys and could uh-huh. wear off pretty quickly and it could be canaries for the marlins you uh-huh. know right because uh, they've never been there no but um I think they're really in a good place lineup-wise, and I just hope that if they're healthy and ready to go on the mound, that's where I really like their chances. Me too. And and I think the, the concerns, if there are any for most of the fans, is uh, starting pitching. You know, yeah. uh, you can make uh, arguments that the Braves' starting pitching falls short of the Phillies, that the Phillies are deeper with more experience with uh, Wheeler, Nola, Suarez, Taiwan Walker, if you want to throw right. in a fourth guy, that they have better depth and uh, more experience. Uh, I think you could make that argument, certainly. Uh, it's just a matter to me of how Max is feeling, mm-hmm. how his finger's feeling, and who the third starter's going to be. Yeah. Who, who's going to pitch game three? Those are the two question marks that I have, and I have uh, every confidence that the training staff and Max are going to have his finger ready to go. Yeah, definitely. Anything else you want to touch on before we dive into the questions? No, I was just uh, I, I want the fans to know because um, I know this will be posted. Uh, bef- will it be posted before the game, J. Chad? This podcast should be okay. I just want the fans to know and have a good idea when you're doing play by play today. And right now we're talking bottom of the fifth. That sounds about right to me. Yeah, because last year he did the top of the fifth, so we had Marlins batters. We wanted yeah. to have our batters. Yeah. You were, ba- oh, or, or we were on the road, yeah. We are on the road. Um, so you had – did you have our batters? You did? Okay. All right. Lasted, lasted how long, Jonathan? 30 seconds? It was just so fast I didn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, All right, so we'll have our batters in the bottom of the fifth. and Yeah, all right. We well, need two home runs before the fifth inning. Ooh, yeah. And then number 308 in the bottom of the yeah, fifth inning. Yeah, I'm all in on that. <laughs> I want to hear that home run call, baby. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right, get your chair down here. Get your mic. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jonathan, come come on. Join us. Here's our email address, bravesbooth at gmail.com. And feel free to fire away with your questions. And hopefully we can read yours on our, our next episode, which would ideally be after the Braves advance from the NLDS. That would be perfect. That's what we're hoping for. Um, some really good questions today, and, and there are two questions on the first page. i got five pages of questions here, and you guys are awesome, as always. You send so many good questions, and you, and you listen, and you send outstanding questions. You put thoughtfulness behind it, and we appreciate that. Um, there are two questions, one from Dave, one from Sean, which are, are pretty much identical, and I think it's a great place to start talking about all the, the achievements and accomplishments both have as the team and individually. Uh, for the three of us, what has been the most impressive? What stands out to the three of us the most? And uh, those are pretty much the same two questions from Dave and from Sean. For me, mm-hmm. Ronald, the forty seventy. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say it trumps everything else that's been accomplished, but because there've been so many great things, but uh, the forty seventy thing is just something that has, I think, set baseball on its ear. And I don't care what the naysayers say about well the bases are bigger you can't throw over as much okay he still put it up yeah. he still did it yeah and uh i don't think the bases or the pitch clock had anything to do with him hitting 40 homers nobody else did it no it That's was so I, easy yeah that's what i was gonna say okay the bases are bigger why didn't anyone else do it yeah or come even close to that um i i, I think you're right there joe because 
not only is that historic for the game, that's big for the game in the present day. That that's exciting for Major League Baseball to have that kind of flair, to have that kind of attention, that kind of athleticism. Um, I, to me, what Matt Olson has accomplished this year has been incredible. He set franchise records in the modern era in homers um, and in RBIs, and that's incredible for this franchise. It's incredible for Matt. But what Ronald has done is something that can be celebrated league-wide because it, it kind of, in a way, ushers in a new style of Major League Baseball, a new achievement. Uh, a new type of player. I think that gets the attention of young men across the country who want to play this game, and maybe they're uh, attracted to other sports, NFL, NBA. Maybe this uh, reaches out and, and casts a, a bigger net to grab a larger audience. Look at the, look at how this guy plays the game. Look at the style uh, and the athleticism, and it just looks different. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's big uh, and something to be celebrated for Major League Baseball. It's got to be Ronald only because what he did has never been done before, and it may not ever be done again. I hate that what Matt's done this season, in a way for some people, not for us certainly, but in a way he's kind of been overshadowed because of what Ronald's been able to do and accomplish. But, um, yeah, it's Ronald just because we saw something that no one's ever seen before. What you said a minute ago, Ben, um, gets me gets my juices going gets the old soapbox out and that's about uh the excitement that he's created doing what he's doing this year and especially what it has to do with stolen bases because this was a style maybe not i mean there were some 40 40 guys yeah in the in the old days there were a lot of people that ran and stole bases uh just look it up and that baseball had to legislate rules to encourage more base stealing, mm-hmm. to make the game more exciting. That, to me, really irks me mm-hmm. uh, because this all stems from uh, the analytical uh, propeller heads who said it wasn't it was too much risk to try and steal and run. Just sit back and wait for somebody to hit a homer. Yeah. So they had to legislate some rules to try to encourage base stealing again. And that was kind of sad, and I'm thrilled that Ronald took advantage of yeah, it. Because that's been there all along. They just gravitated away from it. Yeah. Well, people who never played Yeah, good point. thought I, it was dumb. I, I think about when I was a kid, there were just a few guys that you'd watch. Um, two examples, Ken Griffey Jr., Randy Johnson, where when they were on the field, it just looked different. Yeah. And I thought, wow, look mm-hmm. at that guy. And I think you could say the same about Ronald if you're a 12-year-old kid watching the game now and introduced to an element of the game that we haven't seen, unfortunately, in 30, 40 years. He has to have inspired a ton of young people, yeah. young players this year with what he's done, wanting to be like Ronald. Mm-hmm. I want to be like Ronald. <laughs> I, I like this one. Um, it comes from Claire. Being routine-oriented people because of your schedules, how difficult is it to go from 100 miles an hour to zero miles an hour once the season is over? I'll say for me, I think it's harder to go from 100 miles an hour to zero than it is when we start spring training and we go zero to 100 because we're so used to having our entire lives dictated by a baseball calendar and what we do every single day. And when that's kind of taken away from you whenever the season comes to an end, it's almost like for, I don't know, a handful of days or a week, you don't know what to do. You feel like you're – supposed to be somewhere Mm -hmm. it's funny you say that because this literally was a conversation at my apartment last night my girlfriend ashley's over we're hanging out after the game and she said and she's very observant and and it's something that i I wish i could be halfway as good at as she is and she says what are you gonna do that first week when when the season's done i'm like i don't know just enjoy the time and she says do you realize that you have no idea what to do with yourself for that first week i said really she's like you're clueless. And then after about the first week, you settle in, you kind of figure out your routine. But mm-hmm. I didn't even know that about myself. And I think for that first week, like Jay Chad says, we're so used to be, uh, being routine-oriented, as the as Claire mentioned in the email, um, that when that just stops, and it stops so abruptly. Because it's not like – I mean, if you're a team like the, the, the Rockies or, or, you know, the, the Yankees, where they knew today's the last day. The mm-hmm. Cardinals. The Cardinals. Yeah. Chip. Yeah, they knew it was coming. We we don't know when it's coming. Um, It could be in a week. It could be in a month and two days. Yeah. But when it ends, it's it's over. And the next day, you kind of wake up, and it's like, 
well, what am I going to do today? I have no I'll, idea. I'll say this, Claire, that I think all of us would agree that that next day, that next four or five days, that next week, about two o'clock every day, we're looking at our watch. Yeah. Because our body clock is telling us that we need to be somewhere or need to be in the car going to the ballpark or something like that. And it's a shock to your system when you realize, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. And then furthermore, Dad Gummit, I got to feed myself tonight. There's not going to be food at the ballpark. I got to figure this out on my own. Um, this is from Jim. Thanks for all you have done for Braves Country. I sincerely mean that. We're so blessed as fans to have you three. What has been your favorite moment this season, both on and off the field? I, I think for me, it's the, I'd say the same thing every year in terms of off the field. I love the relationships. Uh, we've had some amazing people work in this booth this year and some former players, guys that you have heard before, guys that you had not heard before. Uh, and I think the day-to-day going about life, whether we're home or on the road, for the three of us or whether it's we're talking about the TV guys and the traveling party, um, Darren, Kelly, Nick, uh, Pete, it, it, it's so much fun to just go through the season and go through life with everybody and, and that's what I miss the most in the postseason or the in the offseason is uh, the relationships because for a lot of those guys uh, you won't see them or at least you won't see them consistently until we get to spring training in, in March here, here. I, I'm good <laughs> yeah right. I, I would agree with everything Ben yeah. said Fire away, JC. You got one? Uh, yeah, here's one from Ron. Is it a badge of honor for you guys to make it to the finish line of the regular season? No doubt about it. Heck yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, it's like we said earlier, Joey, e- each year you get in this is uh, a, a massive blessing because we're going to do what we want to do. And one of my favorite things to do, and Jay Chad, I think you'd do this too. Uh, when the season ends and I take my scorebook and I put it on the shelf and there's there's another book representing another year filled with all sorts of memories filled with all sorts of achievements by the team and i have a shelf with with every year that i've ever worked in in pro ball Um, and it's fun every now and then to pull up one and grab a year and thumb through it but getting to put that on the shelf every year that's a major accomplishment in my mind no doubt about it uh here's one that kind of on an affiliated way this is from misty kurt and charlotte do you get sad slash wistful at the end of a regular season, especially with this record-breaking season like this one? Or do you look forward to it as hopefully uh, going to mean some time off for you after a very busy daily grind? I think we've kind of answered that, Misty, but I just wanted you to know that Jonathan and Ben could tell you that I'm always wistful. (laughs) In fact, we call him Wistful Joe all the time. (laughs) I think the thing you you probably look forward to the most is – just having some downtime and getting to choose what you're going to do every day um, and, you know, having the opportunity to, to rest up and to get ready to do it again because it'll be here before you know it. Yeah. Let me pile on that. I had a neighbor uh, in Marietta who used to get on me all the time in the off season because he'd see me in the driveway getting the paper or the mail or something. Oh, oh not working again today, huh? Oh, not working again today, huh? You got more time off, huh? And then I finally got irritated one day, and I said, let me ask you a question. Do you work every weekend? No. I do. Yeah. For six months. Do you work every holiday? No. I do. Yeah. Where were you on Memorial Day? Yeah. Or the 4th? Yeah. Yeah. Or Easter. We're working every one of those. We get a day off here and there. You know, it, uh-huh. it doesn't seem like it's ever enough, but we do. Yeah. And I finally got him to stop teasing me by asking him those questions, and it made him realize uh, we lock in. Yeah. You know, that in March for spring training, and uh, we don't stop till the season's over. So um, that's the way our life goes. And as you said yeah. earlier, it's it's a baseball schedule. And uh, you put it on autopilot and you go. Mm-hmm. You do. I've, I've always said, too, um, I don't apologize to anyone for the time that we get off in the off season. It is earned. It is needed. And even during the course of a season, when we have the occasional off day, well, think about what we did the day before. We might have flown back from San Francisco and got home at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's an off day. We don't have to show up to work. But <laughs> – the day's wasted so yeah let me throw one more comment on there when it comes to the end of not just a regular season but this season um next year 
a, a lot of the cast that's on this roster will be back next year. But each season is its own individual season. And while guys will put up similar numbers, it'll be different next year. They might be equally as successful, but it'll be in a different way. And I think each different season has its own spirit to it. I think each different season has its own feel uh, and memories. And, and I'll always look back on 2023, no matter what happens in the postseason, of six months of unforgettable baseball for this city, for this region, for this fan base. We got to see some things this year that you may never see again. Right. We got to see things this year that you might see one of those in, in a season, much less multiple records broken. I mean, just record after record, team records, individual records. And, and I think each season stands alone, and that's what I'll, as I'm about to knock off my microphone, uh, remember from this year is, is the unforgettable moments that this team has provided that have been so special and unique for 2023 and hopefully more to come. And the bar has been set extremely high. Man. Uh, and the fans are going to next year go, oh, boy, this time last year, so-and-so had, you know, <laughs> right. 30 homers and 90 RBIs already. Yeah, Isn't it crazy that the expectations that this team has set, where we would get to a point during the regular season where they'd lose one game in, in the course of a 10-day stretch, and it was it was disappointing, almost like what's going on. Uh huh. Right. It's crazy. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What what's wrong with him? He's zero for six. What's you know what's going on there? Uh, here's why I think we ought to throw this one out there because we asked the same thing that Sally did. Was Spencer Strider serious when he said he preferred baseball with no fans? My husband and I were fans till that happened. Thanks, Sally. Sally, he has a a very let's put it this way unique sense of humor. Very dry. Very sarcastic. Um, very Larry Davidish, and that was what he was doing there. Very he, much tongue in cheek. Yeah, he, that was that was all a joke. And if you listen to Spencer's comments last night after the ball game, the first thing he said when he was asked about the record yes. was getting to do it at home. He said how this was great. It would be awesome no matter where the strikeout record took place or any of these records for that matter. But he's so glad he got to do it at home to share that with the fans. That that bit in in Miami was just a joke, and his brand of humor that some people get and some people don't but he no. did not mean that at all no and he's that, a guy you should be a big fan and of. that's why he went on and on about it yeah uh here's one from sam who is a Braves fan stuck living in philly's country do you guys have any low-key superstitions or things you do or say when you're hoping for a braves rally oh yeah we do you got the cookie jar you got the cookie jars full of double stuff oreos right now yeah I don't know that I have any superstitions. I just feel kind of like we have to have our routines down. You know what you have to do throughout the day to be ready for a game that night. And once they say first pitch and play ball, you're, whatever happens, happens, I suppose. Uh, I have to um, – if the Braves have won four or five in a row when I'm walking to the ballpark, uh, i got to make sure I keep walking the same way and on the same side of the street <laughs> and all those things until the, the winning streak goes away. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that I really have any superstitions, but outside of hiding under your desk, yes, um, <laughs> breathing into a brown paper yeah. bag. I think that I do the same exact thing virtually every day. <laughs> I mean, when I walk into this booth, you guys aren't here yet, but when I go through the the routine that I go through before you get here that you guys don't see, I do the same exact thing in the same huh. exact order every single day. Mister Predictable. Uh, this is a question for Joe. This is from Owen, and Owen says, cheers to another great season. Since 2018, you've been able to call Braves playoff games, Joe. Is there a part of you that misses calling playoff games nationally on TBS, and do you have a favorite story from those years? Uh, let me just say this, Owen. Getting to do postseason games is a rush. I mean, there is such an adrenaline high when you get ready for, to, for the start of a game. You're prepping. You're doing your homework, getting ready for those things. So, trying real hard not to miss any nuance of whatever game is about to take place. When I was doing the TBS postseason games, I horribly missed not being able to participate in the Braves games. And I was never assigned to a Braves postseason with TBS except for the one uh, wild card thing, the debacle uh, with St. Louis. Uh, that was the only one I got to do for TBS. So I really miss being able to do Braves games. I mean, there's obvious reasons why uh, TBS wasn't going to put me on uh, a Braves playoff. That made, made sense. But now that I'm doing Braves radio and not missing any postseason games, I am thrilled 
to be with these two guys and be part of what's going on as a continuation of what we've enjoyed on that particular season. We're talking about 162-game schedule and the uh, pitfalls of, of a long season. Well, like I said, this is the cherry on top, and now we get to do it together, and I really appreciate being able to do that. Mm-hmm. I would say just to add to that as well, TV, or TV brethren, they're done today. Today, yeah. The end of the game, they pack up, they go home, see you in April or March or whenever it is because they only do a handful of spring training games. But it's over for them. We get to keep going, and I think that's one of the things that I've always loved about the radio side is when the going gets good, we're, we're there for the, the entire ride. Mm-hmm. For the long haul. Mm-hmm. So thanks for the comment, Owen, and just know that I am right where I want to be. That makes three of us. Uh, this is from Aaron. He says he doesn't really have a question, but is just appreciative of the joy that we bring to the broadcast, win or lose. It has helped him through some really tough times, and he can't imagine that he's the only one. We appreciate you saying that, Aaron. But he also has a postscript saying, waiting on some fool backing into their parking spot annoys me too. <laughs> <laughs> and we have about oh, 100 boy. emails on that topic. We do. And, and I want everybody to understand, Ben was teasing me yesterday, last night, and I, it was, I brought up the question because I, I really wanted to know what's going on. Why, why are people doing that? So we've got a lot of answers for it. I'm not angry other than just waiting on people in parking garages. Um, so we have our question, my question's been answered, and we'll get to some of these <laughs> coming up. Yeah, we do. Including one from Charles who says, Jesus, Joe, it's not that difficult. <laughs> yes, backing in is slower, therefore less convenient for others, but is more is safer on exit. And one of the things, Charles, thanks, Charles, uh, old Chuck chimed in, um, that I think is consistent with a lot of the answers is safety. And Jay Chad pointed out to me that in reading some of these questions, a lot of companies require their employees to back in for safety reasons okay they have to park that way so they're not backing into someone in their own parking lot safer to back into a spot than back out of one maybe. yes that's what they're saying and and i'm all in on that I, i'm going to start backing in more this is how you gain wisdom you ask questions that's all you did you just got to have smarter people yeah that's right <laughs> and unfortunately were, for you you had an idiot to your left pushing your buttons the entire broadcast there were a lot of people who reached out on this topic uh, there was a, a DJ in Alabama. He worked for two Fortune 500 companies, one being Alabama Power. Um, and he said what Joe just pointed out. It was a requirement that every single driver of the company uh, back in a parking spot. So it was for safety reasons. So uh, if we're not going to get to your email, it's because of time, but we saw all 150 of them. <laughs> yeah, and we get it. I get it. I understand. This is a thank you from Connie. Thank you for your calls all season. We appreciate you being out there, Connie. Um, here's a good one. This is from Chip, and he says, how many? Uh, how about Marcelo Zuna for NL Comeback Player of the Year? That's another potential award for this Braves player. I'd, I'd kind of give it up on, on Marcel receiving an individual award after he did not win Player of the Month in, what was it, August? And, and what was it, Player of the Week, whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he would be a great candidate because of – uh, where he had been for the last year plus, and I understand the the argument against that with uh, the arrests and, and things of that nature. Uh, but the numbers have been worthy of consideration if you're looking at just on-field accomplishments and such. And Marcel's been an incredible teammate, and we've had some good conversations with some players who have been pulled out of lulls this year uh, because of a conversation with Marcelo Zuna, and he's a wonderful teammate. Uh, Matt Olson is one of those guys. Had a very instrumental film session with Marcelo Zuna, and then between that and dropping to the four-hole, took off statistically. Michael Harris, uh, who has been one of the best hitters in baseball since June 7th. Well, that first week of June, that's when Marcelo Zuna reminded him that he's one of the best center fielders in the game, and that boosted his confidence, and he said as much, and he said, without that boost of confidence from my teammate, I don't know that I get to where I got. Um, so just uh, and and you see him interact not just with uh, position players but with pitchers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw AJ Smith Shaver come off the mound the other night after a good performance, and he and Marcel are having a little moment over there in the dugout. So he, he's inspirational and uh, he's instrumental for everybody on the ball club. Uh, and and that's not to gloss over uh, any warts that we already know about. We do, but uh, he's changed a lot of things and the way he goes about his business and. Um, 
if you're into second chances, I think you need to uh, uh, be alerted to that. If they had a comeback player of the year award from the beginning of the season to the end, yeah, he's a shoe in. Yeah, he would be. <laughs> so uh, we all appreciate what he does on the field and off the field as well. He's been one of the most fascinating people to watch for me. When I think back to the 2023 season, Marcel will be right at the top of the list. What he overcame, how bad his start was. He set a career high in homers last night with 38. His at-bats in general have been so much fun to walk. He's taken his walk, his walks. He's spitting on the breaking ball uh, a lot of the time. And it's just, again, what was it, like two RBI the first month of the season? It was bad. And now he's was. almost at 100, like I said, with a career-high 38 home runs. It's been amazing to watch Marcel. Yeah, there was one stretch where you and I were talking about it, Joe, where he had more homers in that stretch than he had hits in the first month of the season or something yeah, like right, that. Yeah, right, right. So, um, this is one from Gavin. Gavin, this is we appreciate all you sent in, but he said that his, um, let's see, his girlfriend Ashley is who turned him on to this podcast, and he just said, if, if you would throw a quick shout-out to Ashley, I might get around to golf out of it <laughs> Ashley give that man a round of golf yeah. or two, and we appreciate you you both tuning in and listening and and thank you both so much for tuning in every night so I will say knock them straight Gavin I will say this too as I read through some of these letters and try to uh see if there's some that we can just address as one mm -hmm. because there's some that are very similar uh and one of them that's consistent that uh this is not I'm not doing this for our ego. It is a great compliment when you folks across the board appreciate listening to us. It tells us we're doing some things the right way and that we're going about our business the right way and that we're having some fun and we're entertaining you and you enjoy. You keep coming back to listen. You mute the TV and want to listen to us. And for all of those that have written those types of uh, emails to us all year long and for the last three or four years, we sincerely appreciate it because that feedback is um, uh, second to none for us in terms of letting us know how we're doing. Yeah, we really appreciate that, and it's um, it's a joy to bring listeners the game, but it's it, it's equally a joy to connect with listeners about the game, and I think that is maybe the the most fun uh, of this entire job, night in night out, is getting to make that connection. And it ain't even meeting a few of the, the, yeah. the listeners and fans from time to time. I think back to Cleveland when you and I got a chance to um, catch Asphalt up. Asphalt Cowboy. With Asphalt Cowboy. That's right. Yeah. right. It, it was, honestly, it's, it, was, it was kind of one of the highlights of the year was getting to meet this guy who takes the time every single night, um, literally, to tweet us mm -hmm. as he drives his truck across the country and he listens to the game. And to be able to connect with him was awesome. Yeah, it was. That's always great. Here's one from, uh, let's see, is there a name up? Yeah, Gregory from San Diego. He says, uh, what are your thoughts on the idea of removing NLAL awards and instead just having one award for the entire league, like the NBA and the NFL, like one MVP, one Cy Young, one Rookie of the Year? Love listening to you guys, and thanks for all the work you do. Gregory, that actually used to be the case. Mm -hmm. There was one Cy Young Award. I'm not sure there was one MVP, but there was one Cy Young, and they changed it, thought it was, I guess, more fair for ha to have one in each league. I, I kind of like the way it is. Yeah, personally. I do too. I like one for yeah, each league. I, I do as well. Was it, by the way, should we stand and salute? Is there... This is just a practice round. <laughs> That's something else you probably didn't know when you come to the ballpark for the National Anthem is that someone has gotten here early and sung it about three or four times. Yeah, they're doing rehearsals right now mm -hmm. as it is uh, currently 12.33 for an anthem. They won't sing for another two and a half hours. Was it um, was it Don Newcomb who won the first Cy Young and was MVP as well that yes. season? Yeah, I think he was. And yep. that's when you had just one award. Yeah. And he got both of them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I like having it in each league, NL MVP, AL MVP, Cy Youngs, Rookies of the Year, and I, I kind of like how it is right now. I'm right there with you, Joe. Oh, hey, guys, as we wind down another season, how do managers of teams with losing records and slash or severely disappointing seasons keep their players motivated to show up day after day? And how do those ball clubs keep their fans invested in a game? 
It's hard to watch games where fans are booing or sarcastically cheering their own players. I would think it would be hard as a player to want to play this time of year, those situations. Keep up the great work. Y'all are by far the best radio ensemble in the business. That's from Amy, who refers to herself as Joe's biggest fan out of Glencoe, Alabama. Thanks, Amy. Uh, That's a very difficult chore for any manager when you're out of the race, especially if you're out of the race early. You know, I think about Mark Kotze. Mark Kotze is the manager of the Oakland A's. There's not a better baseball man in the game anywhere, not a better guy. He's terrific. And I can't imagine how this season has eaten away at him. But he's got to show up every day trying to get his players to uh, stay the course, play hard, get after it, and have some pride in what they're doing. And that's not easy to do even for a guy who is as well-liked as Mark Kotze is. Mm-hmm. It's a tough game. I yeah. think I think it's a little bit more difficult to to just say that, for example, the first and the fifteenth should be all the motivation you need. While there's some truth to that, you know, you're a professional at the end of the day, and professionals show up to work, and they do their job, um, in good times and bad times. But thankfully, here I guess in Atlanta, we haven't experienced too much of that recently. Those tough seasons. There's one motivating factor above and beyond that too, Jonathan, and that is the bench. If you're showing the, uh, lack of interest because your team's now 15 games out of first place or something like that, and you're not uh, playing with the same enthusiasm you were at the beginning of the season, man, the bench is a motivating factor. Just sit over here with me till you're ready to play again. And that's a shame to have to say that, but sometimes that's the only thing that motivates guys. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. And um you know, getting to play a major league game, I, I think that, that also is something that a player, if he had to sit there and think about it, that would also motivate him. I'm playing a major league game. Whether we are 30 games out and it's the last day of the season or whether it's opening day, I, I think that's a tremendous honor to be in one of those games and, and get an opportunity to participate in another game. And uh, You get to this time of the year and there's got to be a joy in just playing the game. Yeah, maybe you're out of it. Maybe your season's done after today. But you get to play today. That's right. You got a big league uniform to put on, and that is so. That is such a special thing. Mm-hmm. We got Jonathan. You got one. Uh, let's see here. Let me comb through, get past all these parking emails. <laughs> um. uh, here's Danny Kelly. He's a, here's a guy my age. Uh, he says, hey, Ben, Joe, and Jay Chad, I go back to the late 60s and 70s. I was there for Hank's 700th and 715th homer. Awesome. I listen on radio and turn the sound off on TV. Please, Ben, Joe, Jay, Chad, don't ever leave the radio booth. You guys are great. Thanks, and chop on Danny O'Kelly, 71 years young. And see, those guys like Danny who have witnessed greatness and historical moments – Think of all the guy, young men, women, kids who have watched this season, and that will forever be etched in their memory banks. Right. Of I was there when I saw Ronald pull the base out of the ground. Yeah, you know, uh, I was there when Matt Olson broke Andrew Jones's record. Those things. That's what's uh, one of the great things about our game. You know, is that um, it's the same field. It's basically the same dimensions. All those things. To compare it to the old days. And those memories are, are a badge for fans. Yeah. I yeah. was there that night, like yeah. you mentioned, or I was watching. I know where I was. I mean, it, it's no different than any other moment. We've, I remember exactly where I was when Sid slid. I, I can see it vividly in my mind. And you're getting to see moments like that throughout this season where fans young and old have those same memories about the things they have seen, heard, or, or witnessed this year. Just gave me goosebumps yeah. thinking about that yeah. and what a thrill that was. The old Atlanta Fulton County Stadium it's easy to say man it was rocking that night it was rocking it was shaking <laughs> yeah it was uh let's see I'll read here's your... one maybe Go we ahead. can get to and take up a little bit of time but uh if you can take a minute maybe a quick thought on each guy go around the field and tell me what you've appreciated about all, all of our regular players this season i'll take the outfield okay okay and i'll start with eddie rosario in left field Eddie's had an up-and-down season, but when he's hot, baby, he's hot, and he can carry the team. And we 
uh, raise our eyebrows sometimes at how deep he plays in the outfield. But lately, he's been making some really good defensive plays out there and has saved the Braves pitchers some bacon at times where you can't you can't complain too loudly about how deep he plays. Um, I, I appreciate what Eddie brings to the table. Do I think he probably ought to be platooned against some left-handed pitchers? Yes, and I think you'll probably see that with Kevin Pillar uh-huh. uh, in the postseason. Add Kevin in there. Kevin has been a workhorse all year long, getting ready, being ready for whenever uh, Brian Snicker called on him, and he's had some huge hits for Atlanta. Uh, center field Michael Harris the second has had – uh, a tremendous season given the bad start he got off to. A lot of kids would have folded their tent and gone home or gone back to the minor leagues to try to get straightened out again. You mentioned the pep talk he got from Marcelo Zuna that kind of inspired him. But Michael never fails to uh, thrill us with the ground he can cover, what he can do in the outfield defensively, and how he has he's been an all-star, uh, almost an MVP candidate for a second half work yeah. and what he's done and how uh, like a batting title almost for what he's done. And Ronald is the MVP in my view and getting to watch him every night and going to the post every night has been a thrill for me to watch him do what he does. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Historic. No doubt about it. Um, you want the right side or the left side of the infield, JC? Whatever you don't want. Go for it. All right. I'll, I'll take the right side. Matt Olson. Um, Running down Andrew Jones and, and Eddie Matthews and the home run and RBI records, incredible. Uh, I look at a guy who has boosted his batting average 40 points this year, uh, power numbers like he has never seen before, and like he has said, um, he is a run producer, and moving him to clean up has been huge for this team. Um, I, I feel like that has been – it has fit the mindset that he has of wanting to drive in runs, and he has done so. He's put up incredible numbers. Uh, with RBIs. Those are numbers that could last for a long time. Andrew's home run mark lasted, uh, what was it, 18 years? And, mm-hmm. and, and Eddie Matthews' RBI mark had lasted 70 years. There you 70 go. 70 years. And that fell the other night. Uh, so that's what I'll think about for him. For Ozzy, thank God he's been healthy because it is such a joy to watch him. Um, I love that he's been batting second most of the season. Uh, his ability to lift up other players around him has been tremendous. I think we've seen that as he has been infectious on other people around him. It's great to have him there. Um, and, and, and I'll think about the, the numbers he's put up, the homers and the RBIs for him. <laughs> Hard to overshadow 30 and 100, but that's where he's been this year. And then the guys behind the plate. Uh, with, with Sean and Travis, rock solid, uh, doing a great job handling this rotation. I think for Sean coming in in his first year of doing this, really impressive work. And then they, uh, obviously Travis is so great at handling a pitching staff, and that's what sticks out to me about those three guys. I'd say Orlando Arcia, all-star. Mm-hmm. Stepped in for Dansby Swanson, who was a really solid player. Orlando's been really solid. Uh, you just need him to be able to make all the plays in the field, which he's more than capable of doing. He's got a laser rocket arm. Um, and what he was able to do for you at the plate this season has been tremendous with the amount of home runs that he's hit and the big clutch hits that he's got. Uh, but, again, first year of filling in for Dansby Swanson or, or taking over for Dansby, and all he did was make an all-star team. Uh, Austin Riley at third base, just consistency. Uh, Austin, obviously, you know, people think about him slugging all the home runs, but um, in the field he's been so good defensively in the plays that he can make. And, you know, again, he was an all-star this season as well. Our whole infield was. Yeah. Can you name a third baseman better than Austin Riley right now? Right now, no. There, there's nobody in the in either league that uh, compares to Austin uh, all around and what he does. You know, you mentioned Ozzy. One of the things that stands out for me about Ozzy is, and it's what we hear from other broadcasters, scouts, and everything else, is how their their eyes are drawn to Ozzy, and the joy that he plays with, the smile on his face, and. Uh, it's a shame that everybody doesn't enjoy the game like he mm-hmm. does. Yeah, great point. And these pitchers have been awesome, too. A, a historic night last night for Spencer Strider. Uh, Max Freed has been just the ace that you want and just hoping for health for him. Bryce Elder, an all-star this year, stepping up and doing things. We, he, he was the opening day starter at AAA and became an all-star. That's pretty amazing. Uh, the young guys that we've seen come through with, with A.J. smith Shaver and others, um, Darius Vines, 
uh, Alan Winans. That's been fun to see. And another year for Charlie Morton, who's knocking on the door 40 and still ripping curveballs like nobody else in the league. Pretty awesome stuff. Yeah, we didn't talk about Charlie much because he's not eligible for the first round of the playoffs. Uh, but if the Braves can advance out of the division series, Charlie would then be eligible to come back and be on the uh, NLCS roster. Right. And uh, that would fortify the starting rotation in a huge way. It would. I know you have Snit coming up in about 11 minutes. Yeah. Uh, anything else you guys want to touch on before we wrap it up? Just a thank you to all the fans for all their uh, for tuning in and um, their loyalty and the wonderful letters and emails you sent in. All wonderful and much appreciated. I'd just like to say that uh, I would really love the opportunity to do about three more of these. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. This and season. Bottom of the fifth. Don't bottom forget, of the fifth. Bottom of the fifth. Jonathan Chadwick, who will come on the air and, hello again, everybody. <laughs> JC here. We'll see what falls out of my mouth. <laughs> three, three Braves here in the fifth. That was my favorite from last year. He told us last night, I just want to at least get the score right this year. Uh, he will. I like his chances. He'll do great. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It really will. Um, yeah, like we said, this is episode number 49, and hopefully we do not have episode number 54 until about spring of next year. We'd like to mix in another three or four of these with each passing round of the postseason as this team advances further and further and hopefully wins another World Series championship. Thank you all for being out there. We'll talk to you this afternoon. For those of you who are listening this afternoon, final game of the season. And uh, if you're catching this down the road, it's great to have you at any point. And we'll be talk talking to you really soon. For Jonathan, for Joe, I'm Ben. This has been From the Braves Booth.